Welcome to The Lonely Marketer, sponsored by Pager. My name is Glenn Southam, and this is your show for all things recruitment marketing. We share the challenges, the successes, advice, and the screw-ups from the leading marketing talent working in recruitment. And most importantly, find out what their favorite swear word is. We speak to the companies working to make marketing recruitment more effective and efficient, and to those people who have opinions that make you think about things that little bit differently. You can find me on LinkedIn, and if you want to follow the bear, then head over to thelonelymarketers.com for links to all of our social channels and to sign up for our newsletter. But now, it's time for the show. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Lonely Marketer. I am delighted today to be joined by uh, Mr. Daniel Patterson. He's the Head of Marketing and Communications at CPL UK. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I think you're kind of a, a, a long-time listener, kind of first-time caller on, on LinkedIn. And we thought, and I thought <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, on this race to 100 episodes, let's get Daniel on. Um, but just as a, you know, as a quick overview of you, your role, your career, just, just so people can get a flavour about, about Daniel, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, of course. So as you mentioned, I'm Head of Marketing at CPL UK. Um, I've been with the business, it's actually, it was 13 years last week, um, which as you mentioned is, is not particularly that common. Um, yeah. But for me, it's really been, I, I, I'll admit it wasn't, I didn't expect to necessarily be here for 13 years if my, uh, my CEOs are listening, but it's just been for me how I think it's been changing over the last um, sort of 13 years. I was the eighth employee in the office, so we only had eight people in a very tiny office in Reading. Um, and then every year we started to, to grow, we started to open offices in London. Uh, Germany, Boston, we only worked with certain clients, so all of the sectors started expanding as well. Um, we then obviously had the CPL takeover a few years ago, so that obviously changed everything and, and mixed it up as well. And now we have around 150 employees um, over CPL UK, and I'd like to think that I've had a bit of a hand in, in helping that growth and expansion in the last 13 years. So it has gone quickly, um, but it's been great, and I, I really like my job. So did, did, you, did you join, you know, uh, as as a as a grad was it no i'd actually i had been working for someone else for about a year and a half and then i got headhunted into um just a marketing assistant role like i said they were a very small company we, we selected our clients and we only worked in the uk really um then the leadership changed after about a year and it, it sort of rapidly expanded and we started to work um like i said across europe and we opened a boston office and then obviously I've got quite a big marketing team now, so it started doing the management and the actual campaigns and then the budget. So it's it's just been changing for me every single every single year, really. Um, so it's it's been a good journey. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's the beauty of of recruitment, isn't it? Um, you know, it's a very entrepreneurial industry, and 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 I often I often talk about it with my um, you know, with my two ends hat on, is yeah. that what might even start for me as an initial month project so much changes over oh, a period of, of time in recruitment that there's always new stuff to do and that and that sounds like exactly what's happened with you now at cpl uh, some people might um might know cpl or the brands or anything you work as 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 other names so do you just want to kind of explain like the structure or the matrix of brands or what it was and what it is now type thing as well yes yeah, so i was with a brand um clinical professionals we actually run around nine different brands so i've done a lot of brand launches and a lot of um sort of change on that side 
that changed into CPO Life Sciences. And then we also had Rig Healthcare and uh, a brand called Specialist Talent over in Bromley, which changed into CPO UK Healthcare and CPO UK Technology. And they're the three brands in the UK. Um, obviously, CPO are a very well-known recruitment business in Ireland. Um, it's been great with their support. Um, I think we mentioned before the call, I deal with their marketing team a lot. We deal a lot with the, the strategy of the CPO as a company. I try to, obviously, we have the budgets and we have the strategies for the year. I try to do a lot of month-on-month marketing um, plans, really. I think it makes it a little bit easier. Like you said, it's very hard and things change so suddenly or there might be some projects which um, may be a little bit more um, important and maybe you may have to turn around quite quickly. So really, it just depends on on what's going to come up. We we try to sort of plan long term, obviously, but things can turn around quite quickly. So I try to just stay on top of it, and it's very quick, um, quick changes. Yeah, I think I think that that agility is is very important. I think had it on a previous episode. Um, if memory serves me correctly, it was um, Jack Martin from Gatica who talks about building an, an agile team and keeping kind of the long term, just very top level themes in mind to just create the the consistency that we need but then on that month by month basis having various sprints and you know like you say even if you're planning for a month that might carry over to month two and month three but being able to allocate resources time and and budget is is important for that isn't it yeah and a lot of it was scaling up that sudden um sort of 70 odd employees to 150 near enough doubled my workload and obviously my team as well so it was very hard to then across all three brands make sure that we're, we're covering them off um, successfully and obviously making sure they will grow making sure we're hitting the targets on all three as well um so yeah that was a that was a big change for us yeah just specific how how, how was that um for you because you know you you'd been working at, at that time in a in a relatively stable consistent business yeah. for what the best part of a of a decade and when kind of an acquisition or investment or you know whatever happens you know it it does it it creates um concern um you know people have a lot of questions uh, and everything about about their own career and their own roles let alone the the day-to-day work but how was that for, for you yeah, it's, it's one of them changes that I said is, is exciting for me that I get to sort of mix into it. And it was challenging. It wasn't as smooth. I think even the rebrand is still ongoing. It's been it's been a while, but we're still finding out projects that we need to rebrand now. Um, and I think what's what's been helpful is that obviously we do have CPL um, sort of marketing and CPL as a recruitment business backing us now and obviously giving us the support that we need. But I think really changing from that one, which was clinical professionals to CPO Life Sciences was fine. Um, and then bringing on CPO Technology and CPO UK Healthcare, the, all three of the brands are very, very different. They're at different stages. They work very differently. The management teams are great, but they, again, they all work very differently. So it, it suddenly changed to three very, very different brands, um, obviously two managed, two CEOs, and just trying to mix. So there was, there was parts that we can now support with each other so we can use the back office teams compliance marketing hr finance we can use them across all three of the brands um some of the software platforms some of the database crm systems that they're using in sort of technology we can now use in healthcare and we can use in life sciences so we sort of took the best and the, the best parts of all of that to, to try and cross across the whole business so one of my ethoses was to make sure that my marketing team can cover all three brands. Obviously, we had people specialised in the life sciences brand, the technology brand, and the healthcare brand, but just to make sure that my team are, are across all three, really, just to make sure that then back office support sort of non-billion staff can actually cover all of the areas off. 
And it's starting to rub off that we're starting to get um, some sort of feedback from each of the divisions now on some of the work that we're doing on technology, life sciences or healthcare. So it's starting to actually cover across all three, which is, which is great for us. And obviously it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And, and personally for you, did you see that, uh, you know, when, when CPO over in Ireland kind of came on board, did you see that as an as a opportunity for you rather than a threat? It certainly sounds yeah. like it. Exactly. Yes. Obviously, my one of my first questions when CPL um, took us over was I wanted to find out about the CPL marketing team, and they've got a very strong marketing team out there, a bit bigger than ours. Um, but yeah, they they wanted to leave us alone with regards to the UK brand, and it was just that support that's coming through. So it, it's been great working with with the likes of CPL marketing just to make sure that um, they sort of needed us as much as we needed them as well. We, we are their UK um, sort of spearhead. We are with a UK point, if you like. Um, so we're helping them out on a lot of UK projects. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately, one of the, the reasons why CPL would have, you know, made, made the investment in, into, into you and your team as the business, an element would have, would have been down to all of the efforts that you would have been making from the, the marketing side yeah. and, and the impact that you were having on candidate acquisition and, and client engagement in the first place. So why would you, why would you want, want to lose that? Yeah. Exactly. They're very, very strong in Ireland and they've, they've got some great ideas. And like I said, it's rubbed off on some of the UK campaigns that we've done. But like I said, we've been doing the UK campaigns for, for 13 years now. Um, yeah. So hopefully we've got that experience there. Over those, um, over those 13 years when you kind of joined from, uh, you know, as a marketing assistant to, uh, you know, as a, as a lonely marketer back then to, yeah. to where you are now <laughs> with the team, what's, um, what have you kind of learned over that time? Um, I think, as I mentioned, it's how quickly things can change. It's never been the same. It's um, obviously day-to-day projects can change around quite a lot. Um, obviously, it's been a bit of a roller coaster up and down, especially with the COVID year. But I think one of the big things for me and moving especially into a management position was to, um, to get that trust and more of the respect that I can actually say no. And, and not, in a, not in a bad way, but in a constructive way that I don't want to promise on projects that we may not necessarily be able to run or we may not be able to actually hit. So a lot of it was actually saying no. And I think turning into a management level was very much giving people the expectations of what we can and can't do. And I want to make sure, very old school, I want to make sure things are completed and things are completed well. Um, I don't ever want to send anything, send anything out that's half done. Um, so where we were scaling up and where I've mentioned it's been so such a, a quick scale up and everything's moved so fast, I wanted to just make sure that the things that we're covering are getting completed. So it was, it was really saying no, which not a lot of people did. Um, I think when I was getting trained up many, many years ago, uh, certain managers and certain management levels were just saying yes to everything and then we're really struggling to try to, uh, to follow through with these campaigns where I've started to try to filter it out and make sure that um, everything that I promise and the targets that I put through to the board are always always going to be hit. So that was a big one for me. For me. I think that changed around and obviously saying no to you for the first time to a few managers and they're not particularly expecting it but I think that's made a, a lot better relationship with the guys that I work with now. Yeah, and, and and do you have to kind of use all of your strength to say no? Because I think, you know, to, to put us marketers into a bucket, I think generally we are kind of like people pleasers. We like saying yes. We like trying to help out and, you know, we like to try and get results. So was that, is that quite a big mindset shift for you to just say no? Yeah, it was massively. Like I said, I, I, I learned off a very good manager who... Um... 
that was the thing that when I moved up into management, I thought I'm going to have to start saying no, but again, constructively, and and it did turn into that relationship with people that they would um, respect that if I did say that that wasn't going to happen. And yeah, everyone obviously comes to marketing now and they expect it to be done quite quickly. Deadlines go out the window, and everyone thinks that we say yes to everything. So that's been a, been a challenge, and I may have annoyed a few people on the way, but hopefully, I'm, I'm still in the same job and. Uh, I get good feedback, so that was one of the that was one of the big changes for me, just to to really bring on board. Yeah, and I, th- I think for for people listening who might challenge, who have a challenge with saying saying no mm-hmm. to you know to in in a lot of cases some quite you know strong willed individuals that we operate here in the in the world of world of recruitment, um, a lot of that comes down dragging it all the way back to planning, isn't it? Knowing what you're trying to achieve as a marketer. <laughs> because then you're always able to justify it. You're not being a dick about saying, no, I'm too busy. You're saying no, because X, Y, and Z, we're going to do this. This is what we're working on at the moment. These are the results we're getting. That's why we're saying no. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I get, I get great feedback and support from both my CEOs, Yvette and Daffy. And I yeah. think that it's been that relationship. And, and you possibly can't do that as more of a junior marketer. But then once you get into more of the senior positions, it's, it is that experience that you... You have more of a say on what's going to work and what's not going to work, or you may have other ways of doing it, um, yeah. which I think they have to respect it in the day because it, it seems to be working. And obviously, we have grown and you, you start to see them results as well. If it wasn't going to work, then it's, it's going to backfire on me. So that's a bit that you have to be a little bit brave with. Um, I'm not always going to get everything right. I think that's uh, a bit of a learning curve as well. But I've been lucky that most of the decisions that I've made or, or helped with the business has, has normally gone the right way. Yeah. <laughs> Is there stuff that you, you know, over the past 13 years or so, is there stuff that you would have done differently, like specific campaigns or ways of working or is it a yeah. case you wish you'd said no earlier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just said no to more. No, I don't, don't think so. I think, if anything, there's just so much, you, you know how big a marketing role can be. And I think going back, I would have just, and this is what I try to instill into my team now is to, to really try to get your um, head around most of the aspects of marketing. There's bits that you'll miss and there's bits that you, you accidentally miss, if that makes sense. You're, you're working on the, on the projects and doing paid campaigns and a lot more social media and LinkedIn. And there's other sort of areas that you possibly won't look into as much, um, which I feel like if I would have done it again, I would have tried to really try to throw a net over the whole loop, which, which sounds near enough impossible with the size of a marketing role, but um yeah i don't think there's anything i would necessarily do differently i think it would probably just try to stay on top of more uh, internal training and actually finding out a little bit more about the aspects that i may have missed yeah that's interesting um one of the things that i kind of wanted to pick up on because it's a, it's a it's a common challenge that certainly comes up within the recruitment marketing community um and there's a lot of recruitment businesses who are set up like this and it is that that multi-brand multi-audiences, multi-location approach um, with a relatively small marketing team is, is how do you, how do you manage that? How does that, you know, how does that affect your approach to kind of marketing on a, on a wider scale? Yeah. So like, like I mentioned, I think making sure that my team can cover all three of the brands. I, I've launched, as, as I mentioned, many brands before we had, I think nine running at one stage before. And obviously that's been um, filtered down to the three three main UK brands, Life Sciences, Tech and Healthcare. I think it's really just making sure that we're working with the teams. It's the collaboration with the teams. A lot of the consultants at the management level, um, I think the marketing can sort of just get on with it and we can in, in industry. We know a lot, a lot of the, uh, the trade bodies and the, the news, news sources. 
but really that collaboration with the teams is what I'm trying to push. And we have a lot of meetings and the guys will probably tell you that we have a lot of meetings with the teams, but it's really to get their point of view and they're the, the industry um, sort of experts and they have the knowledge. And it's really to try and pick their ideas because then we can start building on the articles and the campaigns that they want to see and the, and the relevance of the, the campaigns across life sciences, tech and healthcare. So the content calendar that we have, I try to fill up with two to three weeks worth of content. Obviously we can filter out in and out pieces that come along. Um, but really, it's the importance of the collaboration with the consultants and the internal teams. We have a really good management team across both businesses. Um, I really try to stay on top of, of articles and a number of projects that we're working with them, rather than just having to do it all through a marketing team and not guessing, but just also having that input from the consultants. They're the guys that work on, obviously on the, the desk and the, 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 the day-to-day speaking to consultants, uh, sorry, candidates and to clients every day. So it'd be really good to just get their input. And that's what's really helped us with our, with our content and actually pushing the brand out there. Is that quite structured in terms of um, you, you know, reaching out and speaking with, with the consultants? Is there like set times for you to do that or is it? A yeah, we have a lot of set meetings. Um, I try not to stand on anyone's toes. It is recruitment at the end of the day. I can't obviously tell them to, to stop billing and, and start um, working with the marketing team. So we do try to work around them, which is which is good. Um, but I think the, the collaboration with the teams is is possibly sporadic, but it really helps with us just filling up that content calendar and knowing what projects we're going to work with. And I feel like the teams are starting to, to believe in marketing. That is actually how we're actually helping them as well now. The Lonely Marketer is sponsored by Pager. Marketers use Pager to get 90% of those pesky consultants to share relevant content to tap into their networks. You can also schedule social content to accompany pages. Pager gives your consultants automated and fully branded job adverts driving traffic directly back to your website, which is then 60% more likely to convert. Not bad. Head over to pager.co, that's P-A-I-G-E-R.co, to find out more. How, how is your marketing team kind of structured? Do you, do you have kind of a brand manager for one of each of the brands, or do you split people by skill sets? Um, yeah, so I have uh, a team of four. So I have one senior who's um, sort of in charge of more of the content side. So that content kind of what's going out on the company pages and the press releases and the articles. Um, and then three associates who really deal with all of the aspects. So the, the um, online advertising, the job boards, the, um, the press releases as well. But we all, like I said, we all sort of support each other. I, I really like to have the fact that um, if someone's off or someone's busy, that we can actually have that support from any of my team across all three brands as well. It wasn't like that before. Obviously, we had it split between UK, life, uh, life sciences, tech and healthcare. And I'm really trying to merge it that we can we work across all. So it's also helping my team. Some of the team that have only been working on, say, the digital side are now doing a lot more on the the SEO side or the content or the articles. Um, so it's really trying to expand their knowledge as well. And that's what I think I would have wanted it back in the day, obviously just working on my own for, I think it was a, a two years um, helping, helping to grow the brands. It was a bit more trial and error and to see what worked where now hopefully I can uh, have the rest of the team actually um, sort of learn about the whole marketing mix really, and just make sure that they're covered off across all aspects. Yeah, and you're at a size now. Obviously, you always, you know, your team has to support what the company's trying to achieve. Yeah. But when you've got a team of that size now, if if one of your associates does really push and says, you know, to use an example, you said, I'm really interested in SEO. I want to do more of that. 
you're able to support that now, aren't you? Because of the size and the scope to, you know, right, we can develop that skill for you. So it's yeah. real individual development there as well. Oh, exactly. I, I really try to push the individual um, element. I think it's it's very, exactly what I've done when I, in the last 13 years is, is you have to take the initiative and you have to be proactive on what areas are relevant to you and what you, what you feel like you'd be good at as well. You, you may not want to touch SEO you may want to go completely into the digital side but I think it's good to still have them foundations of all of the areas and especially know all of the areas um, but then my team I'm obviously pushing them to actually make sure they go into the areas that is going to one help the business and obviously help them individually as well so yeah there's, there's this as generic as I'm making it sound they do still have their specialisms and I'll still obviously give them give the right person the right call for the right project uh, rather than just doing a team call every time. I, th- I think ultimately the reality is in you know in 99% of the recruitment businesses out there needs to be a, a little bit of a jack or jill of, exactly. all, of all trades don't you to be able to support um one thing I wanted to mention because there's a there's a trend at the moment I, I feel like in recruitment businesses of um you know companies offering clients all of these added added value services, you know, productization is kind of the, the word of the day um, and websites are changing saying we're offering these solutions, we can do X, Y, and Z for you. Um, CPL, you do, you do kind of marketing for your clients, a little bit of that outsourced stuff, isn't it? That, that is yes. a service for you guys. How do, how do you take that, that agency approach? Do, do, you, do you do it like you and your team do that work for clients as well? Yeah, we, we do most of our marketing internally. We Every now and then we'll, ex, we'll externally look for um, possibly graphic designer or web developers, but most of our most of our campaigns have actually done internally, which is good. Like I said, with the support of CPL Marketing in Ireland, we're obviously working on massive clients and massive projects. That's really helped us. Um, but yeah, we have a very, very close approach with a lot of clients. And we, we, um, we've, always, we've always sort of done it internally, if that makes sense. We have got a number of different platforms, a number of different tools that we use. But all of the, the different areas, so the exec searches and the, the FSPs, and we, we really can cover all of them as, aspects as well. So how we how we work as a marketing team, so we have around, I think it's 15 different sectors across life sciences, tech and healthcare. So clinical research, um, radiography, so 15 different sectors. And then there's also the, the separate sectors such as graduate academies and executive search. Um, so that's where we really start to just add them in as one of the sectors we work with. So then when it goes back to the client clients, we know that it's going to be coming out of one of them sectors. Um, that makes sense, just to make sure it's covered off. And also, like I said, the content calendar is booked up for two weeks. So we know normally what we're going to book in. And with 15 teams, that can be filled in quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very much that we we can still, still do it internally, but we'll have more of an account manager side on there. Um, I try to sort of head up just to make sure I know who we're working with and, and what projects we've got going on at the time. Um, but yeah, we haven't necessarily done a lot of externally, which I think is good. It must be a, a good showing for for us that we can do it internally. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those. I, th- I think if if the trend continues going that way, like you said, account managers and mm. and we can build up the trust as marketers with our sales team that you know offer employer branding, offer email campaigns, offer this to your to your um, to your clients. You know, suddenly, obviously, that's a lot of pressure for, for us as marketers, but it will allow us to, as a marketing, you know, function within recruitment to to scale, add value a lot more. So it's that's really interesting. But just to just to finish kind of this part before we get on to the, the five questions, um, for people who say, 
you know, you can't have a, a, a marketing career in recruitment. You know, you're, 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 you're a little, you're a little bit um, kind of like me in terms of tenure. What, what would, what would you, if, if they believe that they can't, would you suggest that they probably haven't found the right recruitment company to have that career in at the moment? Yeah, I think so. I think this, uh, I think it's, I, I, I didn't particularly look for recruitment, if that makes sense. I don't think a Who lot does? of people, yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone particularly looks for recruitment, but people can be very successful in recruitment. Um, I always wanted to go into advertising. Uh, my degree was very much focused on marketing and advertising. Um, the, the first role I went into, again, was was just an assistant role and wasn't really learning more about the marketing. I wasn't really supporting. So as soon as I joined Clinical Professionals, it, it was that role that was starting to shape up. So we were very lucky with the business being successful, I think, and that's been a, a big control of my career that I have moved up and started to manage and obviously moved into a bigger team now that I work with a lot of stakeholders across CPO Island as well. Um, so I think it's uh, your recruitment's obviously been great for me, and especially life sciences, obviously with the industry, and then now technology and healthcare as well. So it's a huge, huge industries. Um, so yeah, recruitment's been a very, it's been very lucky for me that it's it's quite a robust industry, and it's it's been very changing every single day. I've started to know a little bit more about life sciences, starting to find out a little bit more about healthcare and technology as well, which is which is it's good experience. Um, but again. I didn't particularly plan to be here for 13 years, as, as I mentioned, but it's 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 been great. And I think um, it's been the marketing role that I I wanted as soon as I started to realise working for a recruitment company, how it's going to change. Yeah. When we first started... Do you, started feel, do you feel like you've shaped your own kind of marketing role? You've had that opportunity to kind of shape your career being in, in an entrepreneurial environment? Yeah, massively. I think I've done, um, with the with the support of the business as well. I've done my Chartered Institute of Marketing certificates. I've done a lot of training. I've done a lot of um, sort of campaigns. And I think again, just going back to the, the business growing was very lucky for me that possibly if if after my first couple of years it hadn't really changed for me, I possibly would have moved on. But where everything has changed every couple of years, and I've I've had a lot more. Um, uh, a sort of belief in myself as well and I could actually make and I can actually start to pick I really like the digital side I really like the brand stuff that we was doing and again that was all sort of six years ago now so since then it's, it's still been changing but I think I was very lucky with being in a, a successful business and obviously being a recruitment business as well that that's helped me to get where I am today in this in this uh, industry as well. That's it so for anyone, anyone listening who might have a couple of doubts yeah, it can be done. It, yeah, it, it, it can be done. And it, not not stick it out for the sake of it. But, you know, I, I think you can tell if you're in the right business, yeah. you know, don't don't take the highs too high, the lows too low. If you genuinely want to get a, you know, a, a marketing career to learn lots of new skills, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I do think kind of recruitment is um, is, is a good one. And very much. Right. You, yeah, especially in recruitment. Exactly, yeah. Especially in recruitment, where it's so competitive, it was it was a big part of the first couple of years when I was doing marketing. Was it was such a competitive brand? We had to be, we had to really be good at marketing, otherwise we would would drop off. And there's obviously so many recruitment companies that are being um, that, are, that are started up every single week, um, and it was so competitive. And we got to a point where we started realizing we are one of the top. And it was then then it sort of just snowballed. That it was getting a little bit easier, and we could actually start expanding rather than just in the gritty part of it behind. Um, so yeah, once you sort of realise what you're good at, and obviously what you can, um, and you start seeing some results on how well the company's doing. Like I said, I think one of the first things I said today was hopefully I've had a little bit of an input on on where the business has grown in the last thirteen years. 
Um, but obviously, as marketing, it all goes under the radar anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll stay in the shadows. We, we, we'll, we'll take we'll take the credit in it exactly in our, in yeah. our own heads. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 100%. <laughs> um, so moving on to the uh, five questions, always good to get a little bit of insight into the guests and their, and their thinking. Yeah. What's your What's your favourite brand? Well, this was this was a hard one for me. I, I, there's a, there's lots of brands I like, and I love the old the social interactions on Twitter that all the brands are trying to be funky. I think some of them are going over the top now, but um, I, I knew straight away that the one brand that I always stick out with is is a bit of boring, but it is Adidas, and I've worn Adidas um, football boots for for ten years for the same club. Of um, you're wearing Adidas right now. I am actually wearing Adidas now. Yeah. All of my for, for the benefit of people listening. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's all of um, all of the gym stuff is Adidas, and it's it's the one thing that they can send me the mailers and everything else, and I'll always click through. I'm not sure why. Um, obviously, I'm quite sporty, but Adidas has always been one that I've sort of liked from the, from the beginning. Even as a young kid. Even as a young kid, yeah. I've, there's pictures of me as a 12 year old in a full, full Adidas tracksuit, which uh, must must have had a, a subtle meaning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Best sound. Best sound, I think, would be uh, what I'm really looking forward to is is a live atmosphere, like the crowds again. So going to football, I've missed that for it's been 16 months, whatever it's been since I've been to a, a live football game. I know that they're starting up again, um, but I just can't wait to go back and hear that first roar, the first goal, whatever it's going to be. Just just that real sound, rather than obviously watching the fake sounds on TV, whatever it was for a year. Yeah, I, I made, um, at the time of recording last night, I made the mistake of going to a live football game as a Charlton fan and seeing <laughs> lose to uh, uh, MK Dons last night. Um, there wasn't much cheering, a bit of booing, but it was nice to be. Yeah, I'll say that now, probably the first game, I'll, uh, I'll change my answer to that one. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you mentioned there was, um, you know, a lot of new tech and software has kind of come into play in your, in your working yeah. world since, um, since CPO Island come on board. But is there a bit of tech that you couldn't live without, either work or at home? Um, I think for the, we've got so much at work, but the one I like at work isn't necessarily... Uh, I would be just the Adobe package, um, the Creative Cloud package, which is a weird one because I don't necessarily need it, but I think it's more for my own personal development. I love I love trying to um, teach myself and, and self-teach Photoshop and InDesign. And again, it's, it's, it sounds a bit boring, but that's one of the packages that I would really like to keep. And I would probably, if I wasn't even doing this job, I'd, I'd probably still like to do. Um, and then probably work, uh, sorry, home life would probably just be my PlayStation 5. I'm quite a big gamer. I really, that's just a great bit of kit. And I've, I've uh, I'd, I'd definitely need that if I was uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, to balance my home life. There we go. Uh, and, you, and your dream job? My dream job would be to be Arsenal kit man. Oh. I'm not good enough to be a player. I'll admit that. Um, I have been playing for, for a number of years, but. Arsenal kit man would be great for me. Obviously, they're sponsored us now as well, so that might be the, the <laughs> subtle side of it. Um, it would just be that would be my dream job. I didn't have to do it for money. There, there we go. Are, are, <laughs> you, are, you, are your favourite swear word? Favourite swear word. I've, I've, obviously, a lot of the podcasts I think have said the same thing, which would be the F word, which would be yeah. the old fudge word, and that must be the one that I probably shout out if um, if I'm on mute on a lot of calls. That's, that's, the, that's the common one. That's uh, the generic, yeah. Yeah. Daniel, it's it was great, great to have you on the show. It's great to have um, you know now and again get get those people who've, who've you know a bit you know hung around this uh, industry for for a long long time, um, but still show you know great enthusiasm and able to pass down you know some advice and some takeaways to um, to all those people listening. So thanks very much for joining. No worries, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And um, I'll speak to everyone else very very soon.